Hello and welcome to the No Horse Bar Witchcraft Podcast. So, obviously, we have spoken about this before, um, but it's come out recently, actually, when I was talking to a mundane about, oh. are you a witch? And I thought you were a magician or a wizard. Surely you're a wizard. And then I had to go on the usual little talk, mini talk about or you know witchcraft over the years and all that sort of thing your intro to witchcraft course yes it got me thinking about the uh, age-old sea witch wood witch crystal witch all of that sort of thing which i know what the people that listen to this show go mad for and that mad i mean they get rather distraught about it yeah and i'm thinking well if we did have an archetype of what this is, how does one define it? Because when I'm thinking Sea Witcher in particular, obviously you think of an old salty hag, right? But that isn't something that someone goes around calling themselves, is it? It is literally like, oh, you're in a little port town, you know, on the edge of the sea somewhere. And I say, I... the local witch, Boss Castle might be a good a good example of that you know somewhere where it's right next to the sea tiny little village type thing and there's someone there who's some kind of weirdo magical practitioner of some variety oh it's the old sea witch you know oh you're going to sea you need a charm from the old sea witch why is she a sea witch well because everyone goes for her for protection for going on a sea vessels in this shit you know all of this kind of idea of the community of people that are idiots that's it it's not the magical community it's the mundane community saying she's an old sea witch old sea dog all that sort of thing that's what i think of what do you think well i think most sea witches if you want to get historical about it um were actually sea hags were often the names of vessels Mm. as opposed to the actual people um they were often the names of particular um vessels that crossed oceans but the um i don't know modern day yes sea witch is a is a thing i know i'm definitely part of a a facebook group or two that talks about that bollocks um in the sense of this i i uh i have a ridiculous collection of mermaid figurines um, and therefore uh, the i am a sea music witch. the bot yeah, dolphin well, music listeners <laughs> Fuck who you know have never seen an ocean let alone um actually done anything with the the magic of one um i don't think it kind of goes far enough but we'll get back to that in a bit the uh, but yeah you kind of see hag part it will be probably because there's the witch in particular has got some kind of hermit hole um near a cove um or has kind of taken up that uh, it normally be a widow who's taken up one of these little lighthouses or um, one of these little houses that r- run down houses on a cliff face. Mm. Um, up up by me, um, there's one that obviously is nowhere near to see. I'm in the Midlands. I can't get any further away from the ocean. Um, but the uh, we've got kind of rock houses by by where I work that are kind of literally cut into the rock face. They're the cutest little cottages, um, but those kind of crofting kind of industry, um, not industries, kind of uh, 
crafting traditions often had your wise woman in one of them that would have been your little spinster who uh, had had three husbands by the age of 40 like right who had all suspiciously died off like you know those are sorts of people that would be accused of being the sea hags but yeah so what about this concept of sea goddesses right because you've got this you've got the legends right so you've got kind of like classical witches you know Circe, mm -hmm. that kind of thing um but then you've also got kind of goddessy figures that are almost like witches. So the the thing that I'm thinking of is, is it was one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, right? Where they've got that. Is it Calypso? Calypso, yeah. Calypso, yeah. So what's she? She's not really a witch. She's more of a goddess, but she's kind of that hoodoo-y, witchy kind of vibe, isn't that? Hmm. So what I think they're going for there is messing up some of the Circe legends, essentially, right. um, in the sense of the Odyssey, as in um, the companion to the Iliad, where Odysseus gets lost on the ocean. One of the trips is is through um, a couple of mon sea monsters, whose names I couldn't, suddenly can't think of. Um, but I think it's kind of playing with that idea of Circe, mixing it up with the sea monster mm. and then and then Calypso is created from that in order to make this perfect character. Um personally I think she's amazing from the from the show. Um you know take this bottle of dirt kind of thing is exactly what I expect a sea witch to be doing. Um cuz <laughs> I, I can't quite remember how the film goes, but is it, is it the second one? It's either the second or the third part of the Caribbean film. But she's kind of, she's a human and she's more witchy, but then she kind of unlocks, right? And there's mm. some sort of thing to do with, I think it's the pieces of eight or something like that. And um, then the goddess somehow evolves out of a, what is some sort of magical practitioner in there. Which to me is a lot like all of this kind of merging with the higher selfie type thing that you hear about. You've got a magical practitioner, a witch, whatever, and then all of a sudden they reach God mode, right? And it all activates and they're kind of a combination of a lot of different things. So there's still that personality that's there, which would be the human self. But at the same time, they're supercharged with all this other extra shit, right? And that reminds me of that process. God mode, we'll call it, like from computer games and that, where you know all the cheat codes and you don't die and shit. All the gamers will know about that. I don't really know much about gaming, but there's God mode on computer, which gives you lots of access to shit as well, right? Mm. I've only played three computer games. One of them was Harry Potter. One of them was Enter the Matrix. And the other one was this driving one that you got with um, free with a newspaper. And Ruth, who was the old lady who lived next door to my nan, she gave me it and she said, it's a good CD. It don't work on my CD player. But you can have it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. She says, it's driving music. I was like, I think it's got cars on it because it's a computer game. But you've never used a computer, so, you know, bless her. She died a long time ago, but Ruth was a very funny one. She'd be the sort of person the locals would po possibly consider to be a witch. Not because she was magic in any way, shape or form, but because she was fucking stupid, like right? She used to take me uh, on a walk. She had a little dog called Sam. God knows why it was, but it was some rough old thing that could barely walk. 
Um, but she used to take it for a walk and along the walk she would go and pull up plants from people's gardens. She'd be like, oh, I like that one. <laughs> and she used to pick up, she used to carry bags with her. Obviously you'd think, oh, she carries bags with her because of the dog to pick up dog meth and stuff. No, it was literally because she used to go and steal people's plants from their gardens. And on the rare <laughs> occasion she'd get caught. She actually, people actually knew her or, or Ruth, she's the one that steals the plants. Um, but on the rare occasion she'd she'd get caught she was actually a crazy old lady so she'd get away with it you know dodgery old what are you gonna do at the end of the day and the plants can't hide she just reaches over and grabs them a bit like plucking the souls chris mm. but anyway so if, if there was an archetypal sea witch if you was to bestow that um bestow someone with that and call them a practitioner of some description what does that how what where does your mind go with that where would you go with that why would you decide to define someone as a particular type of witch like professional witch sea witch insta witch because we use insta witch and we use professional which is possibly the only ones that we you know really use on a regular basis yeah um i think sea witch to me goes to the classical archetype so the kind of um the idea of you know um commander of the steeds of neptune that sort of um you know the nirids and and things like that and the oceanids that kind of is the bit that sticks to me so someone that is able to work with the ocean um and uh, as a entirety kind of body um which is it which is a big claim to make really because mm -hmm. when you think you know that's like talking about an entire continent and going oh, i'm i'm the witch of the <laughs> of the of um america like do you know mm -hmm. what i mean like you're talking about something as huge as an ocean um so having that kind of interaction with um a primordial kind of power such like that i don't think enough witches are brave enough to go for it like it is one of those things that kind of like oh okay i work with the abyss i'm an abyss mage like it's that kind of oh, big I kind don't of say shit because that's what they'll start calling themselves abyss mages <laughs> and all oh, that that is one that i don't think I'd as, long as, I, as long as as long as i get royalties that's all that matters um you won't there'll be pinterest there'll be pins made for pinterest there'll be fucking memes oh fucking hell chris Why so to me it's that it's it would be the same as turning around and calling yourself a, a moon witch like do you know what i mean like it's a huge body of a specific power that you're trying to tap into um and i think what people don't tend to think about is the impact that that has that kind of um renewal and and fresh power there is always present like it never runs out because the the ocean never stops moving mm. whereas like you know if you were to be a, a you know a god of america kind of situation yeah. that kind of um i'm of that land that is very different because that is something that doesn't move it doesn't renew in the same way you know as something as big as an ocean so you know i think if you're going to go archetypally that's what i would be talking about someone that is actually capable 
of harnessing that kind of large primordial power, I guess, mm. um, right. and work specifically with that energy current. So I've got a question. So if you did yeah. have a sea witch and she then went mm. through the change and it dried up, would she then be a desert sea witch? <laughs> what, the ocean? because <laughs> yeah, the oceans are dry up yes. don't they? they do eventually it takes some time though love so is there such a thing yeah. as a sea witch well yeah because obviously if you were someone to, uh, somebody that worked um who was born in the sahara mm. um you know at some point that was part of an you know part of an ocean it was a seabed um you know there were lots of places in the world where, which would have had oceans on them um covering them up before uh, you know before we locked it all away in ice caps that are slowly releasing it back out again mm. um you know there is that there is that aspect of tapping into that area and being aware of what's there and what was and what will be um and i think a lot of people don't and this is the thing a big part about sea witches will be that flow mm. so recognizing that that ocean was there in that space or will be in that space um is a big part of that and that's what i mean by primordial you know um energy there is you're dealing with something that has a huge movement of itself so yes uh, <laughs> a dry old desert sea witch okay this is actually really interesting because you've hit across a point here, which is the sea witches, because there's people I've seen that have taken a piss out of this with, I feel like I'm a sea witch, I live on land, I don't live near the sea. And then people will jump on and say, well, actually, you're not a sea witch because you should go and live by the edge of the sea, go move to Western Supermare or something, you know? Which, to people that don't know where that is, it's a shitty hole on the side of the sea that we shove old people when they're getting, you know, close to... There are more condoms in that part of the ocean than there are fish. It's very muddy. Very muddy. Um, Which is very funny because, well, I could make a joke about care homes and mud and the people that live in Western Supermarine, but I'm not going to... But yeah, okay, so the idea, we need to get into this now, because this is, this is something that I think has a little bit of meat with it. But obviously, let's actually talk to someone that would be classed as a desert sea witch, because we know that they would be a desert sea witch, because we actually call them a desert sea witch. So, have we got a desert sea witch here? Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. We've got a desert sea witch here, right? So, that isn't something I think that you necessarily called yourself was it was it something that chris or me made up yeah it was right okay so we have officially bestowed the title of desert sea witch to you and yeah. i think that there's some there's some power in that because i think that that goes by reputation mm -hmm. and what i'm seeing a lot of is people that don't have reputations for their magic and you know people just being known for certain things they're they do trying a quiz, Liam. To, well they're trying to forge a reputation and push we a do reputation. a quiz and the quiz tells them what kind of witch they are whatever it is and if they answer a certain question it tells them they're a crystal witch we get that but we're talking like old-fashioned <laughs> and i think that titles are earned 
and nicknames are given, I don't think is something that you yourself decide, unless it's a pseudonym, right? Because you, you, I'm presuming you've got pseudonyms, so you haven't always used your own name for everything, whether it's going on and playing on games online or blogs or anything like people nowadays that, you know, we use pseudonyms for things, don't we? I got one that I'm not supposed to talk about. <laughs> another witchcrafty channel that no one knows about so I can't say because it's a secret project but there are ones that you decide and it's normally a name but like a title the sort of thing that gets whispered amongst people <gasps> that's the sea witch she just walked in or go down the old pub and the old desert witch she'll be in there because she loves a, a drink that I think there's power in so what do you think personally, given that you're a desert sea witch? Um, because you are, because you're officially ordained desert sea witch <laughs> by us. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel about titles when you see them? Um, a lot of times I just see people claiming their own. Right. Um, I guess I originally, that was kind of what I wanted, but at the same time, it wasn't totally fitting for everything I did because right. I don't just work with the sea. I mean, yeah. um, I don't live anywhere near the sea. I have the, the closest ocean is a five hour drive from here. <laughs> it's a long time. Um, but I have grown up around lakes. Like I have, my grandmother had a house on the lake. I've been swimming since I was, you know, three years old and somebody tossed me yeah. in because I was too scared to get in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all stuff that you'd expect the Instagram sea witches to say. Which is, I grew up liking swimming, and we visited the seaside. But why is one with mermaid? Yes, one with a mermaid and shit, right? Have a collection of, I don't know, dolphins. Um, listen to whale music to go to sleep. You know, why is it that you think? Because I don't know if we've ever spoken about this. Why is it that you think we call you the desert sea witch? Uh, well, I think it's because I've taken the time to recognize what the land used to be where I am. Mm. I'm very fascinated by the Western Interior Seaway, which is what the area that I live in now used to be covered by. It was a, a shallow sea. Um, it's where you can find things like plesiosaurs, um, mosasaurs, that kind of thing, your, your um, aquatic reptiles. And ev I, everywhere you see around here, we have limestone, we have tiny little shell fossils. I mean, that's what we grew up with. And I have always had that knowledge that that was this area and that mm. that energy is still here. Yeah. You can still connect with that. But I think a lot of people forget about that. It's, you know, we're living on what used to be a seabed. Within a lot of traditional witchcraft, even nowadays, even like the Keldon, the post-Keldon traditional witchcraft, they still make a big thing about working with the land mm -hmm. and talking about the land and stuff like that. And I think that out of some of the people that we've met, you're definitely one of those people that really integrate their practice into the land. And for mm -hmm. me, it almost feels like you are your magical language and thought process often is integrated into the sea sea witchery land even weather stuff like that mm -hmm. but it's still that kind of almost primordial cross because trying to understand primordial energies is, is really difficult for most people and there's something about the sea mm -hmm. and there's something about weather and there's something about those sorts of forces 
that you get, I don't know, the language starts to seep through with dealing with primordial energies, which is what a lot of the classical, the classical types of witches would deal with that sort of thing. So for me, like the old desert sea witches, the fact that it's a joke, it's kind of like, <laughs> for the mundanes, obviously it's like, oh, she's a desert sea witch, or she's a sea witch, she knows a lot about this, a lot about that. And, oh yeah, she did give me a show and she did some stuff. She's got a collection, a library of water, you know? <laughs> Which I think you do, don't you? I do, I do have a library of water. But with that, it feels like that that is the mundane part of your connection. Because when we look at magic and we look at stuff the witches do in terms of the, the physical objects, that's mm -hmm. all the mundane thing. Right. So if a witch uses a bunch of herbs and pours them together and burns it and stuff like that, there's, that's the visual sort of things. And I think a lot She's with a kitchen your, witch. Yeah, sort of thing. And a lot with your work, when we get you to talk about energies or categorize things and that you seem to have a language of the ocean that comes across quite a lot and that's what i quite like and it's really interesting um because it makes sense when you're trying to convey a message to us or trying to explain your workings out for things obviously i think we use oceans that sort of thing weather patterns all of that as our language to try and understand each other. And that's something that I see with you. Does that mean that all you ever do is stuff to do with witchcraft and sea witchery and that sort of thing? But no, but it's iconic, your practice, your signature, it has that, that sea witchery vibe about it. It's really right. difficult to explain. And it's not copy and pasted because that's what you do tend to see. And I never ever see you try and copy and paste anything. It's always, I am trying to explain this and this is the best way I can explain it. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think I would fully endorse you as being the only desert sea witch I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and, and, and like I said, I, I feel like that does come from growing up around the water like I have, mm. is that my language has kind of developed with that. Mm. Um, like, just everything kind of has that ebb and flow and and you say like about the how big these energies are is that they are big but they're small as well they can yeah. be both um they can be very local and they can be very and they can be worldwide and i think that when you start with the local and then kind of m work your way up is when you you say people are afraid of taking on energies like that and i i started local i started with you know the lakes around me um and when i finally got to the ocean i grabbed a bottle of it and took it home. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very much on, um, I'm very, I guess, it's very important to me to collect those things on my own. So I might not be anywhere near the ocean, but I keep the ocean near me. And it's because it's from those trips that I do make. And mm -hmm. so I make, I make sure that when I go there, I do take a little bit home with me. And that's, I, I do, you were talking about Calypso, um, Calypso from the Pirates of the Caribbean. I do yeah. have a jar of dirt and it's sitting, it's sitting over there. I've got a jar of dirt, I've got a jar of dirt. <laughs> and I enjoy my jar, my jar of dirt. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm very big on, on connecting with the land and making sure that my, my practice is coming from the land and not just, I'm not just out there faking it like i'm not saying oh i'm a sea witch and i'm but i'm you know making my own seawater by throwing you know sea salt in water no i've collected what, my water from the sea <laughs> like, ordering water from from jeff bezos to be delivered to your house right 
is the other thing they do. So when you collect, and you collect whether it's shells, say, or waters or anything like that, is it a compulsion? Do you feel I need that in my collection? Or Not is no. it a... Uh, yeah, that, how does it work? If that, if that were true, I probably wouldn't have as many oyster shells as I have. Okay. <laughs> um, because it, I wouldn't say it's like I need it in my collection. I just see them and I, I, I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then I'll like pick it up. because. And then the only thing I, I don't only take seashells. I've, um, I've got a really nice piece of granite that came from a beach. Um, mm. I've got some quartz that came from it. It's, it's all tumbled by the ocean. It's nice and round and soft. And I love those. Like those are, they're, they're like, I don't know. I don't need to go to the store and buy fancy crystals because everything I need is right there. Yeah. Thingy bobs, you got 20. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my stuff. Isn't it neat? I'm sure my uh I'm I'm sure my um dingle hoppers around here somewhere. <laughs> so because there's something interesting that's also very traditional witchy and quite ancient, I think, in that when you weave magic, you weave spells, you do all of that sort of work, that the universe or nature or the world almost gets in on the action by providing things like that. Mm. So I'd be really interested actually to know the Jeff Bezos stuff that you do buy. So if you were to actually go and get something for magical use, what would it be? And what is it that normally, you know? Um, I've bought I've bought jars on amazon um specifically for keeping water in <laughs> well that makes sense because i mean you could potentially find glass jars and bottles and stuff on the beach i suppose right or, i mean it, i definitely need them to be uniform with black lids on and the right size <laughs> and shape because otherwise it would drive me fucking crazy right but <laughs> so i'm with you on that one but i see a lot of because again getting into your mind of how you decide to work or how you're pulled to work. You've got a little project on at the moment, and I can't remember. I think a lot of people are designing uh, spirits and egregores and that sort of thing. But right. immediately, if I was just to see the structure of this specific spirit that we're talking about which i i know you know the one and i didn't know who came up with the idea and i was given a list of everyone in the witchcraft live group i would immediately be drawn to you because it's got your name written all over it <laughs> thing so with terms of that how much when you decided to try and make a spirit or an egregore whatever how quickly did that start to formulate in your head? Um, it was definitely a process. I would say that I knew exactly what it, I wanted it to be very quickly. It was more just kind of the how behind it that that took a while, how exactly yeah. I wanted to go about it. Um, but in my mind, I, I knew exactly I wanted it to just be this terrifying thing. That was a monster like, that eats children, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And is it, would it technically be described as a sea monster? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've never heard Kelpies as described as sea monsters. But, like, I mean, I would love to make a sea monster. Like, I'm fascinated by the idea of sea monsters. Like, I play Subnautica for fun because I want to go see the Leviathans in the game. 
talk us through if you if you're willing to talk okay. us through your essentially your monster your little creature that you're creating and what its purpose is and stuff like that obviously share as much as you're willing to share right so you've only got two minutes until the podcast ends so okay. hurry up. oh until <laughs> <laughs> the podcast ends or we go to the the patreon oh we've got to go on the patreon of course and then we'll really start probing <laughs> um well it is i mean essentially it's, it's a kelpie I, I it came from the idea that i wanted to create a, my own urban legend mm. and then i decided why not make it functional <laughs> it eats people so this is again what i'm thinking of the classical witch chris the kind of person that does create monsters that go and actually eat people this one clearly has no problem with that whatsoever and of all the people it seems like she's almost picking on the children as well <laughs> it is it is planned to go near a park <laughs> <laughs> Which very is, near a park <laughs> i think it's basically just pure diagnostic evil but i think that's one of the things i like about you because there's again a very unsuspecting there's a reason why the witches of old didn't really ever get caught is because I don't think they were quite as uh, scary as they seem. It's always the ones you least suspect, Chris, isn't it? It's the quiet ones. Watch them. You've got to watch out <laughs> the quiet ones. Right, okay. So that's it for this edition of the No Horse Bar Witchcraft podcast. Get your fucking selves on Patreon because otherwise you're going you're gonna to miss the best bits because the best bits, I think, are on the Patreon. All of the other is just like what is it they call it, Chris? Foreplay? Yeah, foreplay. Play. Yeah. You get the foreplay for the first bit, first half an hour, and then after that is like the actual, you know. Main event. The main event, you know. So get yourselves on there, and we'll see you on the other side of the Patreon wall. Right, there we go. We're on Patreon now, so we can we don't have to behave ourselves. We can talk anymore. more about your dry, crusty old uh, cove. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Take us into your cove. <laughs> Are you sure you want that? We're going to do a hand mirror experiment. <laughs> like I haven't done that before. <laughs> <laughs> haven't we all? I, I just needed a bigger mirror. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Where do you How want to get with that? Because we don't have to be on that so we can we can ask all about our COVID and stuff <laughs> come on oh you want for me <laughs> yeah oh, okay yeah 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 tell it tell us about your practice we want to delve really deep into how deep does this cove go and, <laughs> and, and how moist is it <laughs> always moist always it's always does it moist. always smell fishy <laughs> <laughs> that's just one that depends on the tide Chris oh yeah it's the tide isn't it normally I can't stand the smell of seaweed see I love the smell of seaweed but uh, sushi is also my favorite food so <laughs> I also I actually do like working with seaweed within my magical practice and I do like eating it I normally have some with salads and stuff like that but I still don't consider myself to be a sea witch. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what your take Because you'd on... go rusty in the water. I would robot. go rusty, but, you know, robots, you know, they, they do have... Sea water is not kind to metal. <laughs> no, but not all robots are made from metal on the, on the outside. Like that whole thing, AI, 
you know, with the little kid that is a robot and he just wants to laugh because apparently he's designed to do that. <laughs> I'm, I kind of think I'm like him, you know. You say some oh, magic okay. words and I instantly love you because it's what I'm programmed to do. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so can someone, right, make seawater without taking it from the sea? probably see where I'm going with this yes I, I do at some point was something that you did <laughs> yes I okay so I will say that yes you can probably do that but not by the way that you see most people trying Ooh, controversial <laughs> um as I think one of the things we've we've worked with is creating different types of water um by changing its energy signature mm. and most people, when they think about creating seawater, they're like, well, I'm just going to throw a pinch of salt in here. And, you know, I've seen it suggest that you put a little sand and some seashell, let it soak. And then, and then you just take it out and it's done. And I'm like, well, but did you do anything to the water? Did you, did you give it the signature of seawater? No, you didn't. You didn't change it energetically. You just kind of threw some stuff in there, hope for the best. Um, which I have done when I got first started. I mean, that's what I had to do. I don't, I don't live near the ocean. And I, you know, for a long time, I was just relying on books and there aren't many books on, mm. on sea magic. There really aren't. And um, so it was really kind of getting into that more into the actual energy signature of different types of water and being able to manipulate that because all water goes through the water cycle. Water comes, I mean, if you collect rainwater, it probably came from your closest ocean. It evaporated into the clouds, it moved onto land and it rained down. And it will go through the it will go through the the earth into your rivers back out into the ocean. It's a whole cycle, water cycle. So all water can be energetically transformed back to different points in its life. So you can you can make seawater rainwater. You can make rainwater seawater. You can make tap water into rainwater seawater. Whatever you want it to be, because it at one point was that. You just have to find its point in that cycle to energetically rewind it to or sometimes go forwards with. Sometimes that's a little easier. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that is how I started. And now that I have learned that I can do that, it's made things way easier. I do keep some seawater around because sometimes it's just easier to have some on hand. <laughs> um, so you've done the transmutation where you've taken water and turned it into other types right. of water right how does it compare to the original energetically speaking um sometimes it's a little bit more pure mm -hmm. um just because you get i mean naturally you get um there's a word i'm looking for and i can't think of it uh, you get you get things in the water like i mean if i impurities. impurities thank you like you get you get things in the water that um would not necessarily maybe make not make it safe for consumption or things like that. And you can kind of tell that it lacks those when you, when you do it just energetically, but it's kind of nice because then you can use it in things that are meant for drinking or, you know, things like that. You don't have to quite worry about, mm -hmm. if you don't want to, if you don't want to give somebody some kind of parasite. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it is one of those things that I, I, I think tends to get skipped over and I think it's probably because a obviously people don't fully understand the process of what they're actually doing but also the confusion of the mundane and the magic so I've seen things 
be talked which actually you need to consume or a spell or ritual says that you consume this which could be a mistranslation but at the same time it could be that you're actually transmuting alchemically something into something but actually it's just physically potentially the same so you've mm. got a water for example you could charge but then you could allow the person to drink so this stays within their body and gets and stuff like that and then leaves when he needs to but it kind of goes down to the homeopathic perspective and approach to things of watering stuff down so that it just retains an energy but isn't actually front so in terms of when you work with the water when do you decide to work with water and why as a kind of physical component in magic um I use water in a lot of what I do just because it's what I know best. Mm -hmm. It is, it's what I'm most comfortable working with. And I see it as a natural component in a lot of things. Like, I mean, water is something that can transform. Water is something that can destroy. Water is something that can heal. It does a lot of different things. But mm -hmm. sometimes there are just times when you just don't need it. Um, yeah. There, there's just There's just some things that just don't call for it. And in those cases, you know, I, I go for what I need. Um, so, and that's, and that's something else that I see very commonly across social media, sea witches, is that they think they have to use the, the sea witch stuff all the time. And I mean, there are times where I don't use anything that, that has any kind of cottage. I've got, you know, all kinds of stuff that it has nothing to do with, with sea witchery. Um, I did a hex on someone that I used pepper and like, uh, you know, like a candle and things that things that burn like mm. there was no water in that. <laughs> there was there was a, a mortar and pestle and cracked pepper and red pepper and cayenne pepper. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it it really comes down to what I want out of the spell. So if it calls for water, sure. Great. I'm excited. I love to use water, but it's also not always the right call so there, there's a little project that you were working on actually when we're talking about transmutation mm -hmm. um and that was the felements project so right. obviously elements are in the classical elements or even let's say wiccan elements of cardinal with the little yeah cardinal um, that we've all seen with their lovely little pentagrams and stuff like that and i know you were messing about at some point with actually making one element behave like another one yes. and also kind of to a certain extent cloaking so could you talk us through a little bit of that process and what you were doing with that that was actually pretty difficult because like i said you know water is my the main thing that i work yeah. with the thing i understand the most um so when it came to making other elements behave mm. like each other i really had to sit down and think about how they were similar and how they were different. Um, I think the easiest one for me, I really struggled struggled with it until I thought about water and metal. And, mm. and that was kind of the breakthrough was making metal behave like water. Yeah. That was yeah, that was the kind of the breakthrough that got me to the point where I could make I could actually make metal whips that metal water whips, which are really neat. You know, you can cut tree limbs with them and um but I it is it is very interesting i think right now i'm working on trying to make water behave like fire which is oh is that to burn down that witchcraft shop 
make the uh, make the uh, altar burn like burst into flames like like a burning bush just freak some people out. <laughs> so, yeah, because you you sent us the pictures, and for those that don't know, there's a witchcraft shop that you visited recently. Um, well, we're calling it a witchcraft shop, I think, aren't we? But you you equated it with a. Uh... What was it you equated it with? Uh, for for the for the U.S. listeners, Earthbound, Earth, <laughs> Earthbound stores. So, the so you're talking about, and I okay, we may have G'd you up a little bit and kind of <laughs> said, yeah, fuck it, go ahead with it. What's the worst that can happen? We would never do it, that. Well, Chris, occasionally people do seem to think that we're a bad influence. Shocking. But, someone and i don't know who it could have possibly been it probably was chris um came up with the idea of you messing out with someone else's work so a witchcraft store which we don't have to name right um has a little working altar there mm -hmm. It'd be hilarious if they listened wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> has a little working altar there. Hey, we were if they it. listened to it their altar would not look as shit as it did <laughs> Because I'd have learned something yeah, from being on the Patreon. This is probably true. But it's essentially a permanent space in the shop where people are encouraged to work some sort of magic there, right? And I'm always very tempted, much like these neo-pagan sites, to co-opt them and, and use them for what I want to use them for. And you're actually thinking about doing something similar to that, aren't you? Right. So we were either I was either going to um, do something that... Uh, set it on fire <laughs> or turn it into um, a, a receptacle for whatever waste my Kelpie produces, since that'll also be in the area. So the Kelpie is obviously the egregore spirit that you're, right. you're creating, and you're thinking that it's going to need to shed some not particularly nice energies at some point with all the murdering it's doing. And if well, all that eating, you know, children don't digest well. I don't know <laughs> if you know this, Liam, but they don't digest well. That's why you always say that, you know, why people say I can't eat a whole one. The reason is because they don't digest well. I thought it was all about the method of cooking. Maybe they're undercooked. <laughs> no, no. no. you got to eat them raw. You can't oh, have them cooked. No, I wouldn't want to eat a raw child. <laughs> but yeah, obviously this Kelpie needs an asshole. And the asshole's probably going to materialise somewhere on this beautifully shit altar, the picture of which I'm looking at now that you've sent, which has some neo-pagan tat on it. Now, I'm immediately drawn to describe this. So it's got a couple of candles on it. It's got some jars with herbs, various crystals and little... The, what you said was all the rage, Chris, these little spell, spell capsules. Oh, little spell jars. jars. Yeah. So in terms of, obviously, opting this energy here, what I don't understand is how you could go about doing something so grotesquely evil. <laughs> I mean, how do you sleep at night? Pretty well, thank you. <laughs> But surely this is completely immoral. I mean, this is some poor person. Like Slightly ironically, poor. she sleeps like a baby. Like, <laughs> I, 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 just this poor person's working altar with all these mundanes visiting and, and doing spells for probably money, love, health, all that sort of thing. And you're talking about putrefying the whole energy there. I, I just don't understand what drives Think someone to children. be so Think of <laughs> the children. Think of the children. I don't know. It seems like a like a harmless prank to me, but 
<laughs> a harmless prank. But is this the one you're talking about burning down? <laughs> Altars can be replaced. No, she was talking about her flaming bush. I mean, <laughs> the cove is on fire because it's now so dry and crusty that the seaweed has burst into flames. Right, well, there are ointments that you can magically use for, to get rid of this inflammation of the bush. <laughs> I don't think you need to go about co-opt in someone's altar space, but, I mean, either way, I mean, I think this completely immoral, but from a magical perspective, it would be a fascinating one, and I can't wait to see what no. happens. No, 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 no. Morally, she is obliged to fix... What a shithole has opened up near to her beautiful working of a of a kelpie. How so dare this, this person have a premises there? So this That's is like so weed. Oh, this is my bush. Like <laughs> okay, so you're, we're, basically, we're basically <laughs> your your weed in your garden at this point. Mm. Is that how we're viewing this? Is that actually? This is some sort of parasite that's moved in and shave the bush, <laughs> get the topical ointment, apply it for yeah. a month. And then when nature does have horror vacuum, so what are you going to replace? Because what if another shit no witchcraft shop turns up? What are you going to do then? I mean, there's no reason I can't make my Kelpie shit on them all, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Until well, they learn the lesson. You don't want your Kelpie to be backed up. I mean, imagine if, Chris, you stopped being able to go to the toilet. So I'm supposing once you just do defile this one and it closes down or catches fire, you might have to find another one. But then, to be fair, luckily, there's no shortage of shit New Age shops. So. <laughs> Liam, you've got to think about it. You know, what do we what do we use when we have a compost heap? A nice extra bit of... Compost from the horsey dung from down the road, throw it on, mix it in. It's really good and makes and makes new beautiful things grow. So you know, using it for a toilet for a little while might might turn it into a compost heap that allows a a really great witch to walk in and and create a beautiful space with all that energy that that kelpie is shitting on it. Right? Are you believing this? Because I, I certainly ain't. Anyway, I do fully endorse what you're doing because, I mean, like destroy someone's business that they've probably been dreaming of all of their little wicked lives. But, oh, I mean, I ultimately, mean, a weed be, is a weed. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not aiming to destroy the business. I'm just uh, trying to make the altar not work. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Anybody okay, we'll, we'll let you off them. Well, because, like, the whole idea is that, like, anybody who is in the shop can use the altar to... to um, do magic and i'm over here like but what if it didn't work <laughs> okay so, so so i'm seeing that it's a little square table right mm -hmm. so are you going to confine the shit it's almost going to be like what they have out on the farms like little cess tanks right from they can't connect you up with actual mainline sewage so they just bury a tank and then someone comes along and sucks out <laughs> with a giant hoover lorry of shit right it's going to be a bit like that in that the nasty energy is confined to just the altar is that right yes okay. so basically what you're saying is if they decide to put their spell on a table of shit they deserve for it not to work 
Because I'm fully on board with that. <laughs> you can sense the nasty energy that's coming off of that. You've got no help in hell of your spell working in the first place, I would say. That's why but, I said it's a harmless prank. Like I'm not I'm not trying to burn harm- your I'm not trying to, to burn your business down. I'm just messing with the altar for fun. <laughs> I did get a little worried when you said about I think some people were talking about storms earlier, smashing through the joint and burning the place down and that. And I thought that's hilarious, but at the same time I when my emotion chip accidentally jolted on for a second. I felt something that I feel sympathy. I think that might be right. I felt bad for the people. You just mean you feel dirty, Liam, because that's different. Maybe you just need a shower. I had a shower earlier, but I have been to the gym since, so maybe I just do need a shower and they well, <laughs> the after all. I mean, to I be fair, know. a broken window still does not destroy a business. <laughs> that's true. I suppose it must it must not have been sympathy after all. <laughs> so whatever exciting things are you working on? Because I made this as you know. Oh yes. We can't say what it is, of course, because uh, they can't find out that it's secret me that made it and not another famous magical practitioner that may or may not exist. In fact, doesn't exist because I made her up. Um, but. <laughs> You said something really interesting earlier when we were talking before the podcast about considering to make your own deck of cards. Right. So one of the biggest influences in me getting into magic in the first place is uh, Card Capture Sakura. So one of the one I thought to myself, you know, I love this deck of cards where in the in the in the manga and the show she has these each one has its own little spirit attached to it. Why can't I make my own deck like that? So that is uh, a new project that I that I have started working on is um, a, a nice little deck where with each card representing some kind of spirit that I've created to work with me. Okay, that's cool. I would actually love to make a a, a deck, right? Because there's this deck that I find quite annoying called the Thoth deck. I don't know if you've known about it. It's that bastard Alice Crowley. I think <laughs> there needs to be a new Thoth deck. Right. And I'm wondering whether the new Thoth deck needs to be a tarot deck that is the Thoth tarot deck, i.e. all of the Patreons have their own card and we'll (laughs) we'll all have cards and it won't be like the magician or the this or the that. It'll actually be their their pet names that we give them or that they can't. (laughs) realistically we tend to give them the nicknames to be fair i don't think there's all that many that have picked them themselves but that's because they can come up with a better one than we have that sticks in the head but i'd love that i mean when we get the amount of patrons that are willing to contribute their names we would need to design a card for each one of them and put together a tarot deck that would be absolutely fascinating especially if they all consecrated it or all designed the card themselves i like that idea so, Chris, that might be one for the cards in the future. I do love that. And it would only be available to people on the Patreon as well. <laughs> I like yeah, that idea. I like that. I like that idea. It'd be interesting. Would be interesting. But, yeah. So do you, we appear in it? I think that we kind of need to at some point, but I'm liking the idea that actually 
it's like where's Wally and we just hide in each card somewhere so they have to come up with their own cards but then they also have to include us somewhere and it could be okay. symbolically or it could literally be us actually hiding somewhere um but i'd be Unless... fascinated to see what people come up with because <laughs> at the end of the day that's just every person coming up with one card isn't it right so you know it's not like we've got to design a whole deck you could Unless do all the work and we could just split. get the money for it <laughs> Unless we split it into suits. That would be interesting. And then that way they fit in under a Chris, a Liam or a Thoth. Because obviously silent, silent business partner. <laughs> or if we did major and minor arcana. Because yeah, because with the minor arcana you would have your suits, wouldn't you? Mm. So I don't know. There's some, there's, I think there's some real... There's some there's the some, I, there's a journey here. I'm seeing it. I don't I don't like the traditional arrangement, so I would completely make a new deck that didn't have a major minor, but that's just me. Well it wouldn't be a tarot deck, but then to be fair, it's not gonna be a tarot deck anyway if we're in renaming all of the archetypal the world card, the magician card, the fall and all that sort of thing with people's nicknames. So I'm wondering if it's just going to be, what would that be an oracle deck? Is that an oracle yeah. deck? If it doesn't fall in the 78 card um, format, then or that tarot is known for, that yeah, it's technically just an oracle deck. But then at the same time, every time we join one, we could add another card so we could do expansion packs. When we get to a <laughs> there, are, there are decks that do that. Yeah, well, that would be something. The official thought, you've got to catch them all. <laughs> I'd just be really interested to see what I'm up with because, of course, it's essentially a self-portrait of energy. So what you'd have to do is you would have to create your own your own card, but at the same time, that would be very interesting to see how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you, obviously, were to design your own card, you see where this is going, Chris. If you were to design <laughs> your own card, have you got any ideas as to how you would present yourself? I mean... I like the stereotypical sea hag. I like the old okay. lady standing on the water, you know, with a lantern as a storm rages and the sea and the, and the ocean just crashes. Like See, that, that's very, that's a very sea witchy and classical witchy. And that's also very soft deck. I think, <laughs> I think that would be a, a proper tarot card that screams tarot to me. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting gray hair just so I can fit that. <laughs> <laughs> We can always I think temporarily dye it. That's true. I have a friend that does hair, and I've asked her about it, and she said that would cost a ton. And I was like, okay. The uh, I think the card would reset uh, would uh, represent some kind of abyss, right? It's. I think it not necessarily an abyss. I think it more would represent standing in the face of something that is ter normally people would be terrified of. Mm. Nice. So would Mr. Railroad's card be about travel? I don't know what Mr. Railroad's card <laughs> would be about, but I mean, he's doing a lot of work with um, Neolithic sites and stuff like that. But I tell you what, I will actually, because I'm seeing him on Tuesday, I will ask, I'm seeing Mr. Railroad, Lady Poison and the Dark Pastor on Tuesday. So I will actually ask them all to think about if they were to design a card, which was them, 
what would that card be? Because I think that's fascinating, actually. And I think we should get everyone to do that. And I tell you what, if everyone decides to do it, or fuck it, I would say everyone that does decide to do it, as long as we get more than, I don't know, what's the minimum size crest that you'd put in a, in a deck? Something like 25? Probably like that. Probably. I'd want to. I wouldn't want a deck that was less than thirty-five. I'm not going to lie. Okay. If yeah. we get, if we get, at <laughs> least not be enough variety otherwise. If we get at least thirty-five people that would be willing to do this project together, when they every each of them creates a card, I will make sure that we produce that actual deck. It'd be a fascinating little project. I think that would be great, brilliant. Um, because the good thing about this also is that obviously uh, you have nicknames, so most people don't use their real names. They just use the names that we kind of joke about and assign. So it's not from a security perspective really that dangerous because you don't have to make the card look like you if you don't want to. And you're not really using your own name either. Right. So I don't think there's much of an excuse. But I think that would be a great project. Yeah. Well, the whole point is is to make it your energy signature. So it's not yeah. necessarily you don't have to paint yourself in it if you don't want mm -hmm. to. Yeah, you can paint what you feel represents that the best. And it would be really interesting to see, out of all of the Patreon people and the Witchcraft Livers and the Nobles Bard people, which ones get drawn out of the deck the most? Because some are louder mm -hmm. than others. And I'd be really interested to see which ones pick the card to, you know, imagine you're doing spell casting, picking specific people, or try to channel them, or anything like that. It to me, it seems really interesting as a project. <laughs> um, would you? How do you feel about late night booty calls by random people from the Witchcraft Live group? <laughs> you, that? you know what? Let's go. <laughs> they all want to swim I'll in your cove. <laughs> I'll bust out the wine and be wine drunk for it. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, you can put some protections on the cards. I mean, you could decide who gets to swim in your cove. You know, I mean, I wouldn't just let any old person in. Not between like midnight and yeah. six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean... During those times, I don't pick up the phone. But the beauty of these is they're an archetype. They're not really you. Right. So they are, they are a archetypal version of you so you almost have the risk of creating a tulpa for each of you um that actually has the potential to be deified at some point in the future no doubt so if we were going to do this would we say everyone has to draw it or are they allowed to use photography that's also an interesting one. i i think that they submit their version and whether or not we have to then build it with them until right. it's at the point where it's suitable for the okay. deck. Because obviously you want the deck to have some kind of... That's what really means. What I'm basically saying is I ain't accepting no stick men. Like, do you know what I mean? Unless it's a really impressive set of stick men. And if by so... that I mean there are three <laughs> legs. Like, you know... <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, I would say that if someone was going, wanted to do photography, I would say don't just take a single picture, uh, collage it, take several and, and, and put them together. 
I mean, this is the days of um, Instagram and all that sort of thing. So everyone's got access to the technology nowadays, haven't they? To mm. just take a picture. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily need to be of themselves. But I still think that this is a fascinating idea. Um, and whether we would publicly release it or whether it would just be available for people on the Patreon to get, I don't know. But I really like that this there's a community that's kind of blossoming now at the point you know and i know that not everyone's on facebook so not everyone's in the facebook groups that we've put up but still people seem to feel like they're part of the no holds barred community at least right and it's nice to meet you all obviously because you're on today and we've had various other people on and i know this isn't your official um launch video. your official launch video in oh and he's Ooh. gone <laughs> You banished. I disappeared, right? <laughs> um, officially grill you. But, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? I'd also be very interested to know how many people actually know who you are. Because <laughs> we haven't said your name, and they can't actually technically see you either. Right. right. So, I don't know. How, how many people do you think know who she is? The Desert Sea Witch. I don't tend I, to talk about my my projects very often, so. Ah. Because there is this thing that takes place where certain people meet up, and I'm not talking the Tuesday night moot, but there are times when you've interacted with people. Yes. So it could be one of those things where people can recognize your voice, but if they don't, I wonder how many people are actually going to know who you are. <laughs> Oh, you mean we're not going to put that deep throat voice over the top? Right. Liam Chris, are you thinking about something else? Liam doesn't actually know what I mean by the deep throat voice. It's, the one, throat that voice. Use, it's the one they use when you have uh, to protect someone's identification in one of those. Oh, uh, right. Okay. So like the zero calorie like type voice. Right. Okay. No, that would require far too much editing on my part. And oh, I'm so not prepared to do that. Obviously, the very fact that she dressed up in full costume as a seal today, I think is asking a lot as it is. But, oh gosh, what's she doing? What the, what the heck is that? Is that a tiara or something? I told you, I told you I would show you my shell tiara this week. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> See... She uses a proper desert sea witch. She's got a shell tiara. <laughs> it's funny. I don't actually use it in any kind of witchcraft. So, <laughs> What do you reckon I use mine for? What, what mine you've got a shell tiara or you've no, got a tiara. What do you reckon my tiara is made of? Your tiara has got to be made of plastic, hasn't it? It's got to be some sort of drag act thing. <laughs> no? Rude. Actually, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. I have used this once. In witchcraft, and I'll, I'll tell you a funny story because everyone starts somewhere and everybody fucks up sometimes. <laughs> the very first thing I did, because I picked up this book on water witchcraft, uh, it was, it was, so like one of the very first things I did was this like little consecration thing with all of the all of the the elements and stuff. I wore the tiara during it. I have not done it oh. since. <laughs> oh, that's so Wiccan! I love it. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I, I got real, real sick of the books real fast because I was like, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I want. Was this it a Kate West book? Does she do tiaras? She really strikes me as the tiara wearing sort, Chris. 
what in her Birkenstocks? I don't fucking yeah, think definitely. So. She just seems it, it, back in obviously not nowadays, but back in her youth, fifty odd she years had ago. Youth? When did she? Have well, you? I mean, yeah. I assume she climbed Last out from under one of those troll bridges. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, right. no, that's not we're, why I own it. <laughs> Came from a We're over an hour now. So is there any any last things that we need to discuss? Because it was called dried up old hack, and I'm really worried that they're gonna think that we're actually talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> Which is not related to anyone that's currently on the podcast today. Dried up old hack was just taking the, the mick out of a little bit of the sea witchery. And all that sort of thing, which I think we kind of covered at some point. I think we did well today. We stayed okay. fairly on topic, but I, we did I stay fairly on topic. I think that's the Silky's fault. So you know. <laughs> so we will get you on the podcast and do a full actual meet and greet at some point in the future. But thank you ever so much for coming on and educating and talking a little bit about your sea witchery type practice or desert sea witchery practice because rarely do we use all of these terms and I think you're the only person really that stands out in my mind as a kind of archetypal person with their magical practice you know there are people that are like it but it's rarely that you get to marry that up with some kind of Instagrammy type word, you know, because we've got other one like we, who was we speaking to earlier, the map maker, not really a Instagrammy word that you come across. Map maker is very bespoke to their practice and then I think their personality as well. But desert sea witch, that's the sort of thing that they're all going to want to be a desert sea witch now. Yeah. Because they know they exist. <laughs> It will be a hashtag by tomorrow. It will be. I'll yes. be missing the point of it entirely. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But then there are many a people, unfortunately, that listen to our content and often do completely miss the point entirely. <laughs> which I often feel bad about that because I kind of feel like it's somehow our fault. I think, Chris, you're a bit really? like that as well, aren't you? You get a bit disheartened with what the, how has this happened? Yeah, but how did you miss the point? Yeah, but there we go. But I did I have to say, how did you miss it? <laughs> how did you miss it when you said that you listened to it three times and took notes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, you're someone that obviously, whenever we see you, you've always pushed a little bit further. You've always got an interesting story to tell, and you've always got a little project that you're working on. And you're a little bit of a troublemaker, of course, as well, which also I think that is the best way to learn. I think causing a little bit of trouble, messing about a bit, I think that's a wonderful way of learning magic and pushing through magic. Don't be like the ceremonial magicians that are just so boring. But there we go. It. Why not have fun with it? So with the cards talking about, I will draw some Fanny Craner. Wisdom cards. Now, what we all need to do is to pick a number between one and ten. So, what I'll do is I'll put them out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, you pick a number between one and ten, special guest. 
How about number eight? Number eight. Don't fall for the lies which surround you. <laughs> Chris, are you going to pick a number? Uh, well, I was going to say seven, but now I'm going to say three. Oh. Money is coming, but not necessarily how you would expect. Oh, Chris. Now, because you was gonna pick seven, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that as mine. And if it's a really bad one, I'm gonna say that's the one you should have had because it's the one you originally picked. So, whichever one's worse than that. So, number seven would have been oh, Chris. Better things are not on the horizon. <laughs> Sorry, it looks like. The money. Taking my money away. That is a coming, is it being a taken away. Now, here we go. The beauty about this is that either nothing's going to happen and he's not going to get any money, in which case Fanny was right, or he is going to get some money, in which case Fanny was also right. You see? Because it's clever, isn't it? Because he picked two cards and they both say essentially the opposite. <laughs> this is a McDonald's psychic reading. <laughs> And we'll leave you with that. So goodbye, everyone. And thanks for listening.